reading the Bible for us uh, this morning from Isaiah chapter 55. Um, you might like to follow along in your Bible or on the words on the screen, um, or you might like to just listen to me tell you what it says. Um, if you are reading from the, uh, if you don't have a Bible and you would like to follow along, there are some scattered around. Um, if you don't have one, say hello to your neighbour and they'll pass you one, I'm sure. Andy has some. And uh, it's on page 744, which is pretty much slap bang in the middle. So let's read together from Isaiah chapter 55, starting at the first verse. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me, hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar, shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. On. There we go. Morning, everyone. My name is Josh, one of the pastors across St. Matthew and Wild Creek. Great to see you all. 
This morning, we're going to look at the question, what is the life of satisfaction and how do you get it? What's the life of satisfaction and how do you get it? Now, different people will have different answers. For me, it was this. This is a special ball to me. This is the ball that I got my first Michelle with in grade cricket. Does everyone know what a Michelle is when it comes to cricket? It's when you get a Pfeiffer, right? Michelle Pfeiffer. If you get five wickets, it's the Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer. That's what it's called. And uh, this is a special ball to me. It's my first ever one in adult cricket. For me, the life of satisfaction was to bowl the perfect leg break and to do that perfectly for a living. You know, you bowl the ball where it gets up above the batter's eye line, it drifts in, drops, spins, the guy plays for it, it goes past the outside edge and hits off stump. That is the best life I thought you could live. That is the life of satisfaction. How do you get it? For me, it was lots and lots of hours of bowling and I didn't even get close to getting that life. All of us want the life of satisfaction, right? Not a, a temporary, shallow kind of fleeting pleasure. Uh, we want a deep and nourishing experience of satisfaction. That feeling of, I've found what I was looking for and it didn't let me down. In fact, it's even better than I thought it would be. This passage is going to show us where true satisfaction is and how you can get it. It's a really important passage. It's great that you're here this morning. It's going to do that by being both a mirror and a window. If you could imagine a bit of glass that kind of, as you look at it, it shows you your reflection. But then as you kind of focus on it and you look at it a bit more, you can start to see through it like a window. And as you look out the window, you see the most spectacular view you've ever seen, one that you can see and experience. This passage is a bit like that. It's like a mirror and a window. It's going to start by getting us to reflect in on ourselves, to see ourselves as we truly are, like a mirror does. And then it's going to show us, it's going to get us to refocus our vision and we'll see through the window to a beautiful picture of the life that truly satisfies and it's going to tell us how to get it. So it's a fantastic passage. Glad that you're with us this morning. Let's get stuck in. Have your Bibles open. Point one, come and be satisfied. Have a look down at verse one with me. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come, buy and eat. Isaiah starts by holding up a mirror to humanity and his assumption behind all of it is that our natural state is that we're hungry and thirsty. Not literally hungry or thirsty, he's talking about our dissatisfaction with life. There's a hunger, there's a need in our world. People are dissatisfied. Thirsty for something that truly quenches their thirst. If you look in the, in the mirror and kind of reflect on yourself and out into the world, you'll know it's true. Uh, this was written 2,700 years ago, but it's still true today, and I reckon even more so. Uh, we are the wealthiest that any culture can, has ever been in history. We've got everything we could want. There's nothing that you really want that you can't get. And you'd think it'd mean that we're the happiest that humanity has ever been, right? And yet, people experience depression now at a higher rate than ever before. We're actually less happy and less satisfied. Isn't that amazing? Do you feel that? Have you ever felt dissatisfied with life? Or are you someone who wakes up every day and you think, this is as good as it gets. I'm completely content. I'm totally fulfilled. If that's you, I'd love to meet you. I've never met anyone who feels like that. At least 
for more than kind of a brief moment. Why is that? Why is that the case? Verse 2, God tells us, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and you labour for that which does not satisfy? Why are we dissatisfied? God says it's because we pursue things that can't satisfy us. We use our money and labour to chase things that look like bread, that look like they're going to satisfy, but they're actually more like fairy floss. Uh, We spend a great deal of effort pursuing things that look good, that seem to give us that kind of sugary rush that seems to satisfy, but it melts away very quickly, leaving us dissatisfied and wanting more. We've all experienced moments like that, uh, when you've chased something that you really wanted and you got it and it was great for a bit, but then you kind of thought, is that it? It faded. And so you thought, I've got to pursue the next thing. That's the thing that's going to make me happy. Maybe for you, it's with work. You thought, if I get this job, right, maybe a new job, then I'll be happy because my current job is not doing it for me. And you got that job and it was good, but after a while you realise, yeah, it's not that good. My, my boss isn't quite what I thought he'd be. He's not that great. Maybe if I was the boss, right, if I got a promotion, didn't have to do all the grunt work, then I'd be satisfied. And, and then you get there and well, then you've got all the duties of being a boss and it's not that great. And so, okay, well, what's the next thing? You're chasing something that isn't bread. It won't satisfy you. Maybe for you it's chasing body and beauty and kind of the perfect image. The problem is you're always going to be ugly and ageing compared to someone younger and more beautiful. You know that studies show that women check themselves out in the f- reflection eight times a day. And some of you are thinking, yeah, then, you know, the next ten... Uh, Mirrors, cars, shop windows, phones. And the interesting stat is 94% of women will tell you they don't like what they see. Isn't that awful? Body and beauty won't satisfy us and yet we chase it. If you chase money, you'll never have enough. If you think getting the perfect relationship will satisfy, you'll soon learn that relationships bring more trouble into your life. I never argued about what to have for dinner or where to go out for dinner when I was single. Sometimes we can even think that going to a new church will satisfy us. That that other church has all the things that I'm looking for, the perfect community that will satisfy all my needs. But the reality is that every church is full of sinners. It's not going to satisfy you. I read during the week about Iris Smith. Anyone else see this news article? She made the the Forbes Top 30 list of the most successful entrepreneurs under 30. She's 22 Uh, She has a $15 million business. She's attractive. She's got everything she wants. And this this is what she said in the interview this week. My life sounded good on paper. I had what many would consider the perfect life, but I pretended I was happy when I wanted to die. She says, what's interesting is that many of us in society seek these material assets to obtain happiness. And yet when I obtain them, I was more miserable than ever because they gave me zero fulfillment. Isn't that incredible? We'll have times when we experience that dissatisfaction in life and God says it's because you pursue the things that can't satisfy. That is the truth that the mirror wants to show us. We as humans are prone to chasing things that can't give us what we're looking for. That is a deep truth about humanity and it's amazing that the Bible points it out to us. And it's to us who are like that, it's to the thirsty that God says, verse 1, come, 
He who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk. Verse 2, eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. It's an amazing picture of deep and delightful satisfaction. Here's kind of the image as you refocus through the window. A beautiful picture of a life full of abundance, full of blessing, full of delight. It's an incredible view of what life could be like. But in fact, we learn that the stakes are even higher than our satisfaction. Have a look at verse 3. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. Our lives that pursue the wrong things don't just have our satisfaction at stake, our very lives are on the line. And it's into this setting that God says, come to me, listen to me, come to me and find deep and delightful satisfaction. Come to the waters that you may truly have your thirst quenched and that your soul may live. What a promise. What a picture. No more chasing after things that don't satisfy and don't last. Just a rich banquet of delight and satisfaction. I want to experience that. Don't you? God says, come to me and you have it. So what is this satisfaction exactly? I know it's got something to do with God, but what is it? What does it mean to come to God? You can't just type God into Google Maps and then rock, out his ha- rock up at his house to come. How does it actually work? Point two, abundant pardon for relationship. Have a look at verse six. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Did you see it? Did you see what the delightful and satisfying food is? Let him return to the Lord so that God may have compassion on him, for he will abundantly pardon. God says that compassion and pardon from him are the most satisfying riches you can have. Why is that? What's going on? Well, it's because those are the things that enable you to have a relationship with God. We need compassion and pardon in order to have relationship with God. We're going to dive into those two words in a minute, but I want to see that relationship with God is the true thing that brings deep satisfaction. To know and be known by the Creator. To love and to be loved by the one who will never let you down. God made us to be in relationship with Him, and so it makes sense that lasting satisfaction comes in knowing and relating to Him. And I can honestly say that relationship with God has been the best experience of my life. I used to chase success in cricket. I thought I could be satisfied by kind of getting love and respect from others by being good at sport. In reality, I was constantly disappointed, frustrated, and always left with wanting more. No matter how well I did, there were always people who were better than me. No matter how well I did, I'd always make a little mistake that you kind of stew on when you go to bed at night. But when I got into a relationship with God, I experienced deep comfort and satisfaction. I found that I didn't have to kind of work to achieve, to kind of get stuff from God. I could rest and take comfort that the creator of the universe, he knew me, he loved me, and he cared for me no matter what. And there was nothing I could do that would take it away. It is so good. 
enjoying relationship with the true God is far better and more satisfying than anything else you can chase after. It's so good. So how do you get it? What does it mean when God says, come to me? How do you receive compassion and pardon? Well, it's about turning from and turning to. Have a look again down at at verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. How do you do that? Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Turning from and turning to. First, you need to turn from, you need to forsake your ways and your thoughts, is what it says. See, our natural way of living and thinking is that we do whatever we want to do, which is to reject the God who made us. See, God made us, he made us to love him, to listen to him, to be in relationship with him. But right from the start, we lived our own way. Adam and Eve didn't listen to God. They wanted to live their own way. According to their own thoughts, they thought they knew better, not God. They rejected God. And we've been following in their footsteps ever since, doing whatever we want to do, following our own ways and thoughts. If you want to come to God to experience the great delight of relationship with Him, then you need to stop rejecting Him. You need to turn from your ways and your thoughts. Forsake your life of putting yourself first, doing whatever you want to do. Turn from that and turn to God. Entrust yourself to the one who made you. Acknowledge and reorient your life around the truth we see in verse 9. Have a look at verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Entrust yourself to the one who's far above you. Reorient your life around his ways. If you want a life of satisfaction, come to God. Turn from your own ways and turn to the one whose ways are higher. If you come to him, God will abundantly pardon your rejection of him. Because you need pardon. You need forgiveness. You can't just reject God for your whole life and then turn up at his doorstep. How does he pardon you? He sent his son to die for you. That's what we saw if you were at church last week in chapter 53. The servant that we see in Isaiah is Jesus, who took the punishment that we deserve for rejecting him so that we might be free to turn to God and have a relationship with him. It is incredible. See, when it says back in verse 1 that we can buy wine and milk, and you see it says it won't cost us anything. He's talking about coming to the table to enjoy abundant blessing of relationship with God which is totally free for us. It's mind-blowing. The best banquet you will ever go to is completely free. And yet it costs God everything. The life of his son. Come to God. Receive the pardon that costs the life of his son and so that you can enjoy the relationship with God, which is the only thing that will satisfy that longing you have. And it's the only satisfaction that will truly last. You chase after looks, you know that your body will one day get old and wrinkly. Even if you get satisfaction in your job, you can't do it forever. If you chase the ultimate experience, you could end up in hospital tomorrow and never experience it again. God provides satisfaction that's deep and that lasts because he is eternal. 
You can have relationship with him forever. So come to him. Turn from your living your own way and turn to the one whose way is higher. Come to him. But did you see that you don't have forever to decide? One more time back at verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. God has given us a window where he can be found, where he is near, where you can come to him. But it won't last forever. One day he'll say, time's up. It's too late. We don't know when. Could be tomorrow. So don't put it off. It's too good an offer to put off. Now you might be thinking, yeah, that does sound too good. Way too good. You're telling me that I have to give up my whole way of living off the basis of a kind of a few words in the Bible. How can you know for sure? How can you know for sure that this is true so that I can confidently give up my life or my whole way of life for this relationship? Have a look at verse 10. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. It's an illustration about rain, right? Rain starts in the sky and then it falls to the ground and then through some kind of scientific process, you probably know the name for it, it ends up back in the sky. And the point is that rain never does that, never does that process without achieving what it sets out to do. You can be confident that certain things will happen whenever the rain falls. Flowers are going to grow. Crops are going to grow. Animals are going to be watered. We're all going to pretend that we're professional meteorologists. We're going to pull out the bomb radar and they're going to go, ah, it doesn't look too bad. That cloud pattern's moving over this way. Rain always achieves what it sets out to do. And the same is true with God's words. You can trust it will always achieve what it sets out to do. If you read the Bible for yourself, you'll see time and time again that God's word always accomplishes what it sets out to do. Whenever God says something, it happens. We saw some of the things in Hendry's kids' talk. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And the universe went from total blackness to being lit up. If you've joined us throughout Isaiah, we've seen God promise a whole bunch of stuff that gets perfectly fulfilled 700 years later. God's word never returns empty. You can trust it. When God says, come to me, I will give you delight and rich banquet. That is the only thing that will satisfy you. You can bank your life on it. It's incredible. And it's something that's worth responding to. This passage has held up a mirror to our lives and shown us that we're hungry and thirsty, right? We feel that dissatisfaction in life. And that is because we try to chase the wrong things. And it's shown us this window to look out to the beautiful life of rich and delight, satisfaction. What do we do with all this? The first thing is to take the action that God calls us to. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and price. Come to God that you might be satisfied and have life. I take it God has to say it so many times because we are slow to hear. Come to God. Turn from your ways of living for yourself and turn to the God who gives abundant pardon. 
and a relationship that will never, ever let you down. If you haven't done that yet, it is fantastic that you are here this morning. I want to say, don't let this opportunity go to waste. The window of opportunity could end at any point. Tomorrow night, we're starting a small group where we're going through the foundations of what does it mean to be a Christian? How do you become one? How do you live as one? What are the foundations if I want to go over the basics? You should come along. It'll be a great time. We're going to have connect cards a little bit later. Andrew's going to tell you more about that. If you are interested in joining this group or something like it, chuck something on your connect card. We'd love to hook you up with that. This stuff is too important to not do anything about it. If you're someone who's already come to God and experienced relationship with Him, praise God. You know what I'm talking about. How good is it? For you, getting into the context of this passage, I think will help sharpen the application for us. In this section of Isaiah, Israel were in exile in Babylon because of their rejection of God. They weren't at home and they were tempted to chase after and pursue the gods of Babylon because they couldn't see God. Verse 5, we read that God promises the nations will come to you. But Israel as a nation are actually currently captured and taken off and living in another nation. It'd be easy to give up on God. It'd be easy to look at the things in their immediate surroundings and chase after those things. They look pretty good. The thing about the exile is that Israel's exile is really just a scale model of a wider exile that's happening on the world stage. See, we were in the garden with God, at home, in relationship with Him. But in Adam and Eve's rejection of God, He cast them out of the garden into exile, and that is where we live, in exile, in Babylon, away from our true home. Surrounded by all kinds of things that tempt us to chase after them. But God says, come to me. Don't be tempted by the things of Babylon. Where do you feel? Where do you go when you feel that longing for satisfaction? Do you seek God? Do you find satisfaction in your relationship with God? Even when your experience of relationship with Him is sometimes mixed. Do you feel that? You might have been thinking this whole time that this kind of relationship with God sounds pretty good, but that's not my experience of it. Sometimes it's awesome, but other times it seems like it doesn't really live up to this picture that we see in Isaiah 55. Well, that is because that is our experience of life in exile, away from our true home. The picture in Isaiah 55 is true when you come to God, but it's even more true and perfectly experienced when we're home with God and face to face with Him. Don't chase after the things of Babylon. Not only will it lead to dissatisfaction, it could lead to losing your life and never making it home. What is that thing for you? What's the thing you're tempted to chase? Do you know what it is? Are you fighting against it? If it doesn't come straight to your mind, you probably are pursuing it just unconsciously and in in even greater danger potentially. Keep very clear that Babylon is not the answer that one day we will be home and God wants you to have life. He wants you to enjoy deep satisfaction with Him. He wants you to have relationship with Him. And so come to Him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much that You don't leave us in our rejection of You. It'd be easy to write us off, and yet You want to give us life You want to give us life to the full, the life of satisfaction and enjoy relationship with you. 
Father, we pray you would show us how good it is. You would reveal to us the things that we chase and show us that they don't satisfy us, no matter how good they sound. Help us to come to you. Help us to hold on to heaven as our true home. And Father, we long for that day where we experience relationship face-to-face with you and we get to experience the rich delights and banquets that's kind of on offer here. We pray that you'll help us to hold on while we wait. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.